Welcome to the Wired for Success podcast, your show for ambitious, mission-driven entrepreneurs who want to build million-dollar businesses without sacrificing their health, relationships, or happiness, who understand that in order to build their empire, they need a solid foundation, and that the more they are thriving, the more their business is thriving too. This show brings you the very best from science, self-development, and entrepreneurship to set you up for sustainable success. Hi, I'm Claudia Garbett, the scientist turned mindset and high performance coach for entrepreneurs, and I help you get wired for success. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Wired for Success podcast, where we talk about all things science, self-development and entrepreneurship that help you get to that next level of success in your life and business. Today, I'm excited to bring you a brand new interview episode. My guest today is author, speaker, investor, marketing nerd and the kingmaker, Paul Getter. Paul is an internet marketing legend who currently manages several million dollars in advertising for clients per month. And yes, guys, I said per month and has helped scale multiple businesses, businesses into eight figures per year. And some of Paul's clients have included celebrities and online personalities such as Neil Patel and Bob Proctor. His clients hire him to build, optimize, manage, and run traffic to some of the best performing funnels in the online marketing world. And today, I hope that he will share a few of his tips and strategies with us. So welcome, Paul, and thank you so much for being on my show today. Thank you very much. It's my privilege. You're re reading that introduction. I'm like, is she talking about me? I mean, that, yeah. that was... <laughs> thank you very much for that introduction. Absolutely, here. absolutely. Paul, I read that you actually have no formal education in marketing and that your internet marketing career began in desperation. So I'd love for you to paint a picture for us. What kind of situation you were in before you discovered the power of social media? Yeah, sure. So again, first of all, thank you very much for having me here. It's an honor to be here. And um, thank you for letting me to share my story with your audience. You're doing amazing things. Yeah. So it was probably around 2008. I was, I was one of those individuals that had a lot of different jobs, you know, everything from working at fast food restaurants, the mall, delivering phone books and just doing whatever I could to make ends meet. And but my background, I was very intrigued with Internet stuff online. And if you go back 2008, there was, you know, these social media platforms were in their their infancy. So I started playing around with them as a hobby and, you know, helping businesses get online and get their social media presence on there. And I, I think it's it started out. One of my friends was going to college and they said, Paul, you have to get on Facebook. And I, I jumped on Facebook and I have to say my first impression was like, ah, this is for kids. I don't have time to play around on this. You know, back in those days, it was like Farmville and, you know, just silly games. But uh, I built I saw businesses were putting Facebook pages out there for their business. And I put a page out for our church. And I remember a couple of weeks later, I went to church and I saw this family there and I went up to them like, how'd you hear about us? And they said, oh, we saw you on Facebook. And it was like light bulbs went off. It's like, oh, these are like real people. There are real people here. And it was, and so I, I realized that 
there was an opportunity for businesses to utilize social media in a way that they could gain customers and clients. And, you know, in saying that now, it's like people would say, uh, duh, yeah, of course they can do that. But this, this was back years ago when people weren't really doing it. And there was a lot of hesitation. I don't want to waste time and everything. So the, the term social media marketing and agencies and stuff, it didn't even exist at that time. Uh, so I started initially reaching out to businesses as mom and pop restaurants and stuff and saying, hey, you need to be online and you know you can get more customers if you get online. And I, I guess you would say it kind of snowballed from there. <laughs> I love that story. And re I remember that for me, I was always the person who didn't want to be on social media like yeah. i didn't want to have a facebook account i was like why would anyone want to do that don't yeah, they have yeah, yeah. don't they have yeah, yeah. Stuff it, going on? and, and that, that's how it was for me it was like i thought okay this is gonna be a hole that i'm sucked into and <laughs> i'm gonna be wasting time and uh but it it, it yeah it did initially just kind of begin as a hobby And then I saw opportunity to connect with local businesses and say, hey, you know, $50 a month, I'll help you manage your social media. And, and I'll, I'll tell you what I did is I would go to just say a restaurant and they would have on their menus or on their door or something like that, their, you know, the name. And then it have the little social media icons. And then I would go to it and I would look at their Facebook page and I would see okay, they haven't posted anything in six months. They, you know, they're not active on it. They just made a page, put a couple posts up and then forgot about it. I saw that as an opportunity because number one, they realized it was important to be on social media. They realized it enough to put little stickers on their door or their menu, follow us on Facebook and hope somebody did it. But they didn't have the time or the experience or, or whatever it might be to manage it. So I said, hey, I'll manage it for you. Just pay me $50 a month. And and it, it became a, a pretty easy side hustle from there. Mm -hmm. That's a great strategy. Maybe you can dig a little deeper into your journey. So can you maybe describe your journey from someone who had just discovered the power of social media to becoming someone who has now spent over $1 billion, And again, guys, that's billion with a B, dollars running ads and campaigns for your clients and who has over 1 million followers on Instagram. So how have you been able to pull this off? I don't know. I don't <laughs> <laughs> no so uh yeah it it is a journey we've talked about this before the um episode started about a lot of times people see oh okay here's the success here's the su success but there was a whole lot of failures mistakes and doing the wrong things before i i started achieving some type of success but uh yeah so i i remember there was this When Facebook first started doing ads and it now, uh, again, I'm saying things and it's kind of like people are like, yeah, Facebook, Facebook can always have ads. It used to be a platform without ads. And when it started, I started playing around with it and Facebook reached out to me and said, hey, we need some people to help test our ad platform. I'm like, yeah. And so they actually, they would give me a, a budget that I could play around with, like, fun money that they would give me credits to run ads and they're like tell us what your feedback is and so i started playing around with ads and when when facebook launched their ad platform to the public they started doing things like 
when you would start a Facebook page, there would be a little button that would say, do you want to grow your audience? Click this mm -hmm. button. And you click that button and it would auto-populate an ad for you. And it would start running and, you know, you would go onto your Facebook and you're like, oh, I grew 20 followers today. And it was because of those ads. Well, the challenge with these auto-generated ads that Facebook made available to people is they were horrible. They weren't done right. It was just like it would grab your profile picture and put it into the ad and it would have text that didn't make sense, but people didn't know that. So what I would do is I would scroll through Facebook and I would see those people that had pushed that auto-populate to grow their Facebook page. And I would send them a message and I would say, hey, I see you're running ads to grow your Facebook page. How's that going? And they didn't know if it was good or bad. They're just like, oh, I'm getting 20 followers a day, 50 followers a day. And then I would say, if you don't mind me asking, how much are you spending? On the average, people were paying anywhere from 75 cents to a dollar a follower. If, if you knew how to run Facebook ads in that day, you could get followers on your Facebook page for a penny. So, so, so I, I would say to them, let me manage your ads for free two days and you don't have to pay me anything. We'll just see how it goes. And they said, okay, deal. Well, if they gave me $5, I could take the other $15 if they were spending $20 a day. And that was my profit. And I was getting them hundreds of followers. So that's how it started into like a business. Like, okay, I'm, I'm making money. And I remember uh, one day, a, uh, someone called me up and uh, they were doing some type of conference and I started uh, helping them grow followers and, and uh, run ads for a conference. And uh, I, I went to their page and I noticed that they had a lot of celebrities that were attending this conference and were going to it. And I was like, oh, this guy's pretty important. I, I started really giving him everything I could and just like, uh, going over and beyond. And I remember he sent me a message. He's like, Hey, Paul, I know a lot of people in Hollywood that are wanting to grow their social media. Would you be interested? I'm like, yeah, I'd be interested. And, and from there, a month later, I'm sitting down at a table with Kevin Hart, having dinner with Kevin Hart, going out wow. to with celebrities and stuff. And it was just, you know, uh, the power of relationships, understanding that when you give and, and, and serve of, it was more than just a business for me. It was an opportunity for me to connect with people, build relationships. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm doing big things. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. So there's a lot of strategy. So you figure out what people struggled with. Right. right. You, finding their pains. Yeah. Finding their pains uh, or finding the gaps, bridging the gaps, but also maybe a, a little bit of luck, just connecting with the right people. Yeah. Or yeah. Absolutely. I, I think that, uh, you know, in success in your journey, number one, uh, when I first started doing this, there was this shy, reserved. I wanted to stay behind the scene. I was working with big names. I was working with celebrities. I was working with a lot of these big internet entrepreneurs. And I wanted to kind of like stay behind the scene because I think a couple of reasons, I didn't really want people to figure out what I was doing. You know, this is like my little, because 
years ago, now it's kind of funny. It's like everybody's an internet marketer. Everybody's a social media marketer. And uh, But back then, I remember there was I, I was building these big social media pages and following that I was just doing organically. I could I could take a page from zero to a million in like three or four months growing it just content and stuff. The organic reach was completely different back then. And so I would have uh, big companies message me. I would have movies message me. Hey, will you promote our content? Will you help us grow? And so I remember this guy launched a course and he said, we're going to teach you how to manage ads. And I remember when I saw this, I was like, there's other people that know how to do this. It was like so shocking to me. And, but I, I think I made the mistake initially of just trying to stay to myself, try to stay behind the scenes. And I missed a lot of opportunity to connect with people because I just wanted to stay behind the scenes and didn't want anybody knowing what I, what I was doing. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I'm an introvert myself. So sometimes it feels just more comfortable to stay in your lane and stay behind the scenes, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But how has this journey has this journey changed you as a person? So maybe you can tell us a little bit about the challenges that you had to overcome and what tools, techniques, and strategies you found most helpful for dealing with those challenges. Yeah, so I, I think a couple different things that are early on, there was this, I was doing a lot of work. And what, what I mean by that is I was figuring things out quickly. And I, I look at my journey in, it went from making a couple hundred dollars a month, $500 a month, and then clients started coming in. And although it felt very fast, it was probably over a couple of years that it, it grew, but now I got 20 clients, 30 clients, and I was still treating it in my mind like this is my little side hustle, but I got 20 clients, you know, it's like, okay, this is, I need help. I, so I found myself 15, 20 hours a day, you know, it's, I had clients around the world. I remember one of my first big clients was in Nigeria. And so I would have to get up at like three o'clock in the morning to do meetings with him. And then I'd go back to sleep. And so, so I, I found myself doing 15, 20 hours a day, go to sleep and then wake back up and do this. And because I was still trying to treat this as this is my little side hustle. And I, I realized quickly, I cannot... I cannot sustain this. I don't want to sustain this. And hiring your first employee is always like this. Oh, do I want to do this? Because in your mind, you're like, okay, I'm making X amount of dollars. Now I need to take a piece of that and give that to them. And it's like, you, you know what I mean? Like you, you I know what you mean. You convince yourself, I'm going to make less money now. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I'm, I'm not going to get, I'm going to have to make some sacrifice, but I remember doing that. And the, it, the and this is a principle that has um, really stuck with me is I kind of made a spreadsheet of all the things that I'm doing that anybody could do. Because mm -hmm. I, I think that yeah. there are things that only I can do, or, you know, it's, it's best that only I do that, that, 
at that stage of the game, me connecting with the clients, building relationships on calls with them, that was more important uh, than I was doing things like making content, uh, posting content. I was, I was doing things like that instead of hiring someone to design the content and post the content. Now it's, it's cool. They've got softwares that you can design the content and then, uh, schedule it out. But back then we didn't have all of the luxury of these softwares. I had to, if I had 20 clients, I had to make their content and then I had to manually post everybody's content at it. So imagine all the time that I was spending. So I made a spreadsheet of all of the things that I could teach someone to do that would be easy for them to do that they could do. And the things that were best that I focused my attention on. And so what happened is, yeah, there was a, as far as the income that I was bringing in personally, it dropped because I had to hire someone. But what I saw is four or five months later, I was able to manage more clients. I was being more efficient and I, w- I was maintaining my sanity. I was sleeping. <laughs> I, was en- I was enjoying doing what I was doing uh, a lot more. So and that, that's something that I do uh, on a periodical basis is I will look, are there things that I'm doing that I could teach someone to do and they could do it and give me more free time in doing the things that are best that only I do. Mm. Yes, delegating and outsourcing and automating is definitely something that's really, really important. But sometimes what I see is that even though there are some tasks that you might be able to outsource or delegate, it's something that you really enjoy. And when people give that away, that might not be a great strategy. So you have to be really strategic about that. And sometimes even if it, if it could be done by someone else, but it gives you a lot of joy to do it yourself, maybe you want to keep it on your plate. That's good. That's very good advice because yeah, there are things that I, I find myself, yeah, someone could do it, but I enjoy doing it. And it kind of gives you that excitement. Yeah, you want to keep on, you want to hold on to that. Yeah. Now I have a fun question for you. If you could have a giant billboard anywhere, what message would you want to put on it? Whom would you want to see it? And why is it so important that those people see and understand your message? Oh, wow. That, that's <laughs> So I posted a a question like this to my audience um, a, a couple years ago. And this was the question, which I think it's very similar to your question. My question was, if you could telepathically um, send a message to everybody in the world and everybody hear that in almost like a, a, a very audible voice, what would that message be? And uh, it was funny because I got thousands of answers and some of the answers were like, uh, buy Bitcoin, you know, and uh, things, things like that. Some of it was like, follow me on Instagram and, you know, their handling. So everybody had a, a lot of different answers, but there was a, a, a common answer that I saw and I think it, it resonated with me and it's something that would uh, maybe 
be life-changing for some people. And the answer uh, that people kind of collectively said was, um, you are loved. You are loved. And I, I thought about that. And I, I think that there's probably a lot of people that there's an emptiness, there's an incomplete because they don't feel loved. They don't feel valued. And I, I believe in this world that there, everybody holds a value and importance, um, a purpose in our life. And regardless of where you are in life, you might feel unloved. You might feel like you have no value, but you are loved. You are important. There are people that depend on you. Um, life is fragile and understand that, that you are loved. Oh, that is such a great message to share. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So important, so important for people to hear over and over again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what are some of the most important and maybe surprising and counterintuitive lessons that you have learned about social media marketing so far? It, so, you know, When it comes to marketing and online, there's a, a buzzword that people use a lot and it's disruptive. You need to be mm -hmm. disruptive. Yeah. And that, that is very important that you are disruptive because people are scrolling, people are going from one platform to another. And so you have to do something that grabs their attention, that catches them, that pulls them in. Now, here's the challenge is disruption always has different cycles. And what I mean by that is I, I remember when, again, I was one of the first uh, individuals running ads on Facebook and uh, these major platforms. So I remember we would test things. We we're like, hey, this is doing really well. And we would run ads like there was a day that we would make an ad and we would put red borders around it and it would catch people's <laughs> attention. And Well, once we started doing that, it was doing really well, but then all the other marketers, they would start seeing that and they would do it too. They'd put red borders. Well, now every ad that you scroll through has a red border around it. It's using the same, now it's no longer disruptive. So you change it up and you do something else and you use this style. And uh, then people start saying, oh, that really catches my attention. I'm going to do the same thing with my ads. And it becomes saturated. Everybody's doing the same thing. So disruption has cycles like you might mm. see things or discover things that this really works and it starts working and then people start to emulate it or imitate it and what was working six months ago is no longer working because everybody is copying it uh so it's important like like look you you'll see there's trends uh, that people do content in a certain way then they everybody else starts doing it then they change it up so i think it's important that you um, continually evolve in uh, content and, and what you're doing that is, uh, you always ask yourself, is this catching people's attention? Is this really pulling them in? Is this making the connection with your audience? Uh, that's a great tip. And I think that's one of the things that makes social media marketing so frustrating and exhausting for so many people because they have to keep adapting and changing. Yeah. It's not like, I discovered the one strategy that works once and forever. Yeah, it's like not gonna happen. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it stopped working, and now I have Absolutely. to start from square one. Yeah, yeah. Now, 
taking those lessons into account, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people make that stop them from reaching more people on social media? So the one thing that you just mentioned is just not standing out, right? Yeah, but yeah. what are other other big mistakes? Uh, so this this is funny. This is called social media, social media. The biggest mistake people make is turning it into media and not <laughs> social media. And mm -hmm. what, like I, I hear clients or coaching students, they'll say something like this. They'll say, uh, you know, I only get 10 likes on my post. I always respond. How many likes are you giving? Mm -hmm. How many posts are you liking? And normally the answer is something like, uh, 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 <laughs> and, and so what they're doing is they're posting and they're just expecting everybody to come to them, like their posts, comment and stuff, but they're not reciprocating. They're not doing it. They're not practicing what they want to happen. So I think it's important. I think it's important that you make social media social. You connect with people. You build relationships. You're sending messages. You're responding to comments. You're engaging with content that really resonates and connects with you. It's more than just putting up something and hoping that something happens. There has to be engagement on both parties. I, I, I personally, I make a practice of it. Like it's, it's funny. Uh, I'll have people message me or I'll comment on their posts. And they're like, is this really Paul? And I'm like, yeah, it's really me. And I'll, I'll get in arguments with people. This is not really Paul. This is a virtual assistant. This is a bot. I have to pull out my phone. I'm like, this is Paul. This is really me. And it, so I, I think regardless of what level you're at, how long you've been doing this, how many followers you have, my motto is I treat everybody like they have 10 million followers. I don't care. You know, it's not, uh, you know, your value is not based upon how many followers you have. Uh, so so engage with people, connect with people, make social media social. I love that attitude. And it's so important. But I see so many bots and virtual assistants and so much going on there that I do understand why some people think that it's not the real yeah. you who's answering yeah. them. Well, so. I Full, full transparency. I have virtual assistants that help me out with engagement and responding sure. to messages, but I don't, I don't solely depend on that. I do, you know, engage and connect with people. And I've met, I've met amazing people just making a post, you know, a comment on their post. Then they send me a message and like, you know, build relationships, do business and everything like that, just by being social on social media. Absolutely. And I mean, so many people become obsessed with just growing the numbers, growing the numbers of followers on various platforms. But how much do those big numbers actually matter? So do they really make a big difference or are they just vanity metrics? Maybe you can share a client story that illustrates how those numbers translate into actual tangible results for their businesses. Yeah. So I, I think that there's probably... Uh, pros and cons and, and people that would say, um, yes, numbers matter and, um, or no numbers, um, don't matter. I can, I can tell you, I have a client that is, you would, you wouldn't know they're not popular on social media. They're not verified. They don't have millions of followers or anything like that. Uh, but their product service does a million dollars a week, million dollars a week. So wow. 
it when when we started with him he had a thousand followers you know what i mean and so it it doesn't the power of paid ads and running ads on various platforms kind of makes it a level playing field like you don't need a million followers if you're running paid ads the the value of having a lot of followers is that you're kind of building this community that you can connect with and you can always be engaging with them you can hear from them obviously you can sell your your products and services to them so it is kind of like you, you've got this community um this organic audience that you can connect to but it is dangerous thinking that just because you have a million followers that you've got it because the algorithms change there used to be a day that if you had a million followers you'd post something you'd get a million likes literally like i i remember having pages that had 200,000 followers and when we'd post on it we would get 200,000 likes comments and it was just it was crazy so now every platform you know because they want to do ads and uh have a clean timeline they squash your organic reach so there is a danger in thinking okay i got a million followers i've got it made uh that's not always the case so i think i think there's probably something to be said about the vanity metrics because whether we like to admit this or not if you have a product or service and someone looks at uh your competitor their social media and they have a hundred thousand followers and they look at yours and you have 500 followers they they in their mind they're coming to a conclusion simply based upon the follower number whether we like to admit it or not they they probably do that so i think it is important to recognize there is some value in having a certain amount of followers but uh if if you don't have good content if you you know you don't have a real connection with the audience then the con the amount of followers really doesn't matter yeah so it's mostly the social proof that that you're building up there, right? Yeah. So now that you know why it's important, what's the secret sauce that allows someone to build this huge following on social media? Let's say Instagram, for instance. Okay. So okay. what should I do? <laughs> okay. So uh, so I, I have a little formula I called CLAP. C-L-A-P, CLAP. First of all, you got to have good content. Regardless mm -hmm. of, you, you just got to have good content content that adds value, content that connects with people, content that inspires, motivates, educates, makes them laugh. You know, I always tell people when it comes to your content, you got to think this. When people wake up in the morning, they should be saying, "Ah, oh, I wonder what Paul posted today. I want to check him out. You know, so it's it's like that type of content that would really connect with people. So number one, you got to have good content. Um, then number two, there is this strategy um, called loops, loops. So you can actually build a network of people that let's say you want to do a, uh, a giveaway. You're going to give away a, um, some books or, you know, some type of prize. Well, you can, you can actually build a loop of people, uh, an audience that they they will all promote this giveaway mm -hmm. and tell people to, you know, share this tag and you got to follow these people. If you want to be entered into the giveaway, I'm sure people have seen those before. A lot of times the big celebrities, they do these um, individuals 
uh, in the hip hop industry. They're known for doing it a lot, but it's a way that grows your following. Uh, with all of these methods, there's pros and cons because really what you're doing is you're getting an untargeted audience that would follow you based upon, I want to be a part of this giveaway loop. So that's uh, loop, C-L-A, ads. So you can actually do ads to grow your following. I'll, I'll give you an example of an ad that I'm doing for a page uh, that I'm growing. Is So I have this travel page. It has really cool, amazing travel content and you know beautiful locations and stuff. Well, I have another page that is just kind of like an entrepreneur um, page. What, what I do is I post content on this page over here of beautiful locations and like travel. And then I say, hey, if you're looking for a page that has amazing travel content, you have to go check out this page. And I tag it. And then I run ads. You can do it right on your phone. Just boost it. And then I target people that are interested in travel. So mm -hmm. scrolling through is going to see this beautiful travel location. And it's going to say, hey, if you're interested in pages where you can see other travel content, give this page a follow. And they click on it and then they follow this other page. It's a That's a really great way to get targeted um, followers uh, from people. Uh, it's not the cheapest way, but it's a good way to get good quality targeted followers. So that's A. Then P, partnerships. This is kind of like the old tried and true way of finding pages that are similar to your audience that you want to connect with. Partner with them and say, hey, for $100, will you shout out my content to your audience? And you make that that relationship, they shout you out, and then it, it goes to um, those followers go to your page. Another cool way to do it is find people on Instagram, similar audience, and partner with them. Go live on Instagram. Go live on Instagram. The cool thing about that is like, let's say you have 10,000 followers. I have 10,000 followers. We go live. We have a fun time and engage each other. My audience is seeing you. Your audience is seeing me. And there's an overflow. There's an overlap. Your followers start following me. My followers start following you. And it's a, it's a great mutual exchange. So that's content, loops, ads, partnerships, clap. And at the end of it, I always require people to. Um, <laughs> Perfect. I can get people to clap. I get people to clap. <laughs> Those are great tips. Thank you so much for sharing. And I guess that the same rules pretty much apply to other platforms like Facebook and yeah. LinkedIn as well, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So we already talked about this a little bit, but what are your thoughts on organic versus paid traffic? So I guess as someone who has spent over 1.2 billion or something in paid ads, you're an advocate for paid traffic. But how should people think about it? When is the right time to think about using paid traffic? And what kind of offer should they uh, create ads for? So you already mentioned like top of funnel offers to build their lists, yeah. or is it good, a good strategy to use ads for paid middle of funnel offers that help them finance those ad campaigns or what strategies have you seen that to uh, produce the highest ROI? Yeah. So I, I think 
that the answer for that it was probably based would be based upon where a person can financially find themselves in this because if you're doing top of, of the funnel there is a it's a slower process you know so first of all i am an advocate of getting all of your followers off of social media and what i mean by that is if you've got a thousand followers on Instagram, you need to get a thousand emails. You need to get a thousand mm -hmm. phone numbers. You need to get as many possible because it could all, I've heard horror stories of people wake up and their social media has been hacked or it's been shut down. It's been banned or whatever. So you want to build a list offline that you can send text messages to, you can send emails to and continually connect with your audience. But if you're looking at a, a top of the funnel there is a journey that people have to go into. Let's just say, um, I'll give you an example. I've got, um, I'm a firm advocate of book funnels. I'm sure we've all seen um, free plus shipping book funnels mm -hmm. where, you know, the ad is get my book for free, just pay shipping and handling. And on the average, what you see a funnel like that is it's going to be self uh, consolidating, or it's going to be a lost leader. And what I mean by that is it's going to be, you're going to break even, you're not going to make any money on it, or you're going to lose a little bit of money on it. So it's kind of challenging to tell people, Hey, start running ads where you'll make no money or you'll <laughs> lose money. That's kind of like, uh, like, yeah. uh, no, not interested, <laughs> but if you can show them, okay. Um, by week Seven days later, you should be able to profit $5. By 14 days, $30. 30 days, $200. So that's that's kind of a, a journey that people have to understand that um, there is a process in this, is building relationship. This, um, so it's not a direct ROI day one. Um, so that's, that's one method of running ads. Then there is... A, and, and let me let me say that. Let's say if you're running ads for a book funnel, you might spend $50 or maybe $25 and make $25. So it's it's a low, low barrier of entry here. So let's say if you if you can budget um, $25 a day, you should be getting one lead a day. Um, so a lot of people can budget that. Uh Let's go into something that is high ticket where you've got a, a mm -hmm. coaching program course. Well, that's going to be high ticket. Let's say $5,000. Well, at that point, you're going to have to spend a lot more to acquire a, a conversion. You might have to spend $2,000, but you could potentially make $5,000. So you see how, how there's a, a, a difference. You tell someone, okay, spend $2,000. And like, well, I don't have that, but okay, spend $25 a day. Okay, I can do that. But there might be other individuals, $2,000 a day, I can make 4,000. I think I can do that. Or, you know, I'm just using numbers, hypothetically speaking. Mm -hmm. we've, we've seen, you know, spend $2,000 and you make $3,000 or you make $2,500. Obviously the goal in spending ads is spend less than you make. <laughs> <laughs> that would be ideal, right? 
that's the goal. <laughs> that's the goal. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing that great information because I, I think that a lot of people uh, might struggle with this these days. They try to get all their leads organically. And as you know, organic reach is down. Oh, it's tough, yeah. It is really tough. So another strategy that I've heard works really well for many people is using paid ads to send people to a podcast interview like this one rather yeah. than to a webinar or something similar because it already positions them as the authority and go-to expert in their field. And uh, it's not salesy. It's not like buy this stuff yeah. now, right? Yeah. It's storytelling and story selling. So yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Is that a strategy that you use with your clients too? Ab ab absolutely. So the, here's here's the thing is, uh, again, one, one of the, the key things when it comes to internet marketing and online is what worked yesterday may not work today. Um, yeah. So, so there, there used to be a day when it was like, it was like direct response. Like you could put your product or your service in front of people. Here it is a nice ad. And then they would be like, oh yeah, awesome. Bye. Now you have to really build a relationship with people. You have to, you know, I always say it's kind of like a dating process. Um, there used to be a time where it's just like, hey, we meet, we get married and you buy, you know what I mean? Um, but now there's a dating process. There's a building relationship. There's, you know, establishing that no like and trust in the relationship before you um, ask for the sale. So, so yeah, I think it is when people get to know you, there comes a natural uh, position where they're like, will you sell me something? You know, it's like, you don't even have to ask for the sale. It's like, you're just, being you and they know who you are and you're building that relationship where they're just like, Hey, give me. Some. So yeah, a podcast or I see online events are very valuable too, where people can really get to connect with you, mm -hmm. know your stories and stuff that, uh, but, but yeah, it's definitely evolved from like one ad, see your ad today, buy today. Now people have to get to know you and build relationships with you. Yeah, I, I've totally seen that over the last few years as well. So how much of a role does podcasting play in your client's marketing strategy? I, I'm just curious because I heard on one on of um, Tim Ferriss's episodes, like on his on his podcast, he I remember that he shared that his podcast or going on different podcasts was the number one way for him to sell his last book or books. So podcasting was the strategy. I know he's a numbers guy, so he does mm -hmm. lots of different things. And then he analyzes and sees what works best, right? So he found that podcasting was the number one strategy that helped him get the word out and sell his book. So is some is that something that you have seen too with your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So look at this. I remember when I was a grow, grown up as a kid, I wanted to be like, uh, on the radio, on the radio. Yeah. Like I, I remember there, there was, there was different radio programs that they would have, uh, you know, call in and make your request and you would call in and say, I want to listen to such and such song. And sometimes they would record you 
you know, when you would call in, they would record you requesting the song and you'd be listening to the radio and they were like, hey, we've got Paul Getter here on the phone from Naples. And what's your request? And you'd be sitting there listening to the radio and you're like, oh, that's me. That's me. I'm on the radio. I'm and it was just like you wanted to tell everybody you were on the radio. And, you know, it was like a day that, uh, you know, young kids would aspire to be a, a DJ on the radio or have a radio show. Uh, now it's the power of the podcast is just like you this is your own radio program. This, this yeah. is, you know, you're, you're a rock star. You're on a radio. So yeah, I, I honestly, I think the, the beauty of podcast versus radio is radio. You listen to it. It's gone. Right. Mm. So it's like, yeah. but with podcasts, it's there and people, people might listen to this podcast four months down the road um, for the first time. Like, and there's, so it's, it's evergreen. It's always out there. I'm a, I'm a firm advocate of getting as much content as possible out there, whether it's podcasts, whether it's just, uh, I've done a, I did a podcast with a young boy in Nigeria that was 11 years old that had a podcast in, I think his uh, father's garage. It was just him and his, him and his buddy and stuff. And it was just like, it's an amazing way to build relationships. It's an amazing way to get your message out there. And yeah, people to hear your story and uh, get to know more about you. Yeah. And I think the other good thing about it is it's kind of like an insurance policy for when things go south on social media, because I've just talked to a friend today whose Facebook account was shut down from one day to the next. Yeah. So what if you have a build your business on that Facebook page, right? It's gone from one day to the next. I mean, you might have this email list, which is a good yeah. thing, but if you have your, your podcast, you also have another platform that you can build relationships on and absolutely. get your content out. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So last but not least, where can our listeners connect with you online? Would you like them to follow you on Instagram, LinkedIn, or go to where? Go to your yeah. website. So, yeah. So my uh, main platform that I'm on, we've kind of mentioned it, is Instagram. And my Instagram handle is Paul. Just P-A-U-L, uh, verified account. Give me a follow there. Send me a message. Uh, if if they say you, they heard me on this podcast, I'll give them a digital copy of one of my books and just send me a message. Say, hey, you heard me on this podcast, on Wired for Success podcast, and I'll make sure you get a digital copy of one of my books. Oh, thank you so much. That's so generous. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> And I'll make sure to include the link to your accounts in the show notes. Again, Paul, thank you so much for being on the show today, on the show today, and for sharing all those gold nuggets with us. It's been a pleasure talking with you, and I learned a lot today. Thank you very much. It's been my honor. <laughs> Take care and talk to you soon. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Wired for Success podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you did, please take a sec to rate and review my show or share it with a friend. That way you can support the show and help me reach and support other entrepreneurs like yourself as well. If you would like my help to figure out how you can go from overwhelmed and overworked hustler to empowered and confident leader, check out my website at www 
www.wiredforsuccess.solutions and book a free 20-minute strategy session with me. Can't wait to help you get wired for success. Until next time, take care. Bye.